Internet friends, and welcome to episode number is it 208 today. My good gracious me, 208. Thank you for joining us for all this time. First show of 2020. I'm not going to say any stupid 2020 meme jokes. Just don't worry about it. They're all over the internet. They're all over Imgur and Reddit. Everyone's done it. I'm going to do them today. But my name is Adam KK Bay. I will be your host for this evening's uh, dive into the tank talk, the 8.3 meta discussion, and of course the Blood Death Knight, who, um, as a spec, always sort of comes up in this weird, oh, they're so good all of a sudden, what happened? And then just they're kind of not, or they, whatever, we'll talk about today. We got some Wowhead articles to go over, got some posts to talk about. Got a guy that wrote one of those posts on the show today, but of course, I would not even be here on this show today if it wasn't those that are supporting the show, the stream, and everything in between over on the show's Patreon page. Thank you very much to those that are supporting, and if you want to make sure the show keeps rolling forward, got a whole bunch of art coming out to you all soon, but that is all going to be on the show's Patreon page. Link down below, of course, here on Twitch or on YouTube. Follow along the show notes. There's all the behind-the-scenes BTS after shows or pre-shows, depending on how they are. There's a whole bunch of them now. How many are we up to? 71 additional podcasts are posted. They keep going and going and going and going and going. All the behind-the-scenes art that gets posted up there. You can go search it all. It's all got all the tags and things, of course. But that is up to you. Or if you want to support the show in a more physical sense, then shout out to my sponsors and partners over at Corsair and Elgato. Corsair is unveiling some new stuff at CES 2020, actually. They updated this little splash screen, and I don't know if they've actually listed all the things that are coming out just yet, but if you're looking for any bits and bobs and pieces and parts or upcoming PC builds, I know I just spent probably 16, 18 hours building this huge, crazy new rig that I have, and I streamed 11 or 12 hours of it going through, meticulously putting everything together, tons of Corsair bits and bobs, and of course, the new little stream gear that I have from Elgato. I'm lit <clears throat> by some of these awesome little key lights. Got a green screen behind me. I got a new one to put up on the wall behind me as well. I got my cam link going for my camera, all that good stuff. So links are down below if you want to check out any of that stuff for yourself or for someone else. You never know, someone's got a birthday coming up sometime, 2020. You figure it out, but a little bit of a, a side first announcement before we get into the show today. Uh, Havoc Demon Hunter is coming up next, and then I will be casting at the next race to world first for the Nihilotha raid. So that is definitely a thing. If you haven't heard me confirm that, I'll be out casting there. Each individual caster at the current time can say they are going. We're just not going to say who else is on the whole talent roster. Method will have announcements for you all week to shore that all up. But I think you can, you can gleam some of it from the trailer if you haven't watched tra the trailer yet. You just, just, you know, just take that. But I'll be out there. I'll be gone for two weeks. So hopefully we can cast some awesome raids coming up soon. Nihilith is going to be a bit of a barn burner. But today, as you can see, Blood Death Knight 8.3 meta. 
So there's this guy that wrote this post. His name's Mandel. Is that is that am I saying that right, sir? Welcome to the show. Hello. Yep. You say it that way. And yeah, hi. Are you sure it's not Mandy? I've had enough pugs say that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that <clears throat> Discord, Acarus, a bunch of people are here. Is it Mandel or Mandy? Vote, vote in chat right now. We gotta make this a thing. But you wrote a post that I'm sure we'll go over today and, and whatnot. But I appreciate you taking the time to be on the show today, sir. Yeah, I mean, thank you for inviting me. And yeah, the the entire post was, I mean, it's probably going to come back like three or four times in the discussion at the very least. Yeah. Because it has all the, the backbone information behind this. That's true. Wait a minute. There's some Mando votes in chat. Uh-oh. Uh, a lot of Mandy votes. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It's Well, we know what's official now. <laughs> That's very true. Also joining us today, a bit of a social media recluse, but sort of part of this whole team here also recommended Faridin. Welcome to the show, sir. Thanks, Bay. Nice to be on. And um, you're hitting a turnip. Are you hitting a turnip in game right now as well? Is that what it kind of feels like? Is that what you'll be doing in the next patch? You spend a lot of time doing that, this expansion. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, wait. I don't know if that's an innuendo, but I'm sure. Hmm? I'll leave it up to your interpretation. <laughs> yeah. Oh, or, yeah, or uh, or Twitch chat will figure something out. But we have a whole bunch to get into today. The turnip doesn't hit the back. Uh-oh. Is that how, is that how, mm, yeah, Death Knights and the turnips. There's something, there's deeper something there, I'm sure. <sighs> okay. And then the first thing I need to do is so normally in my show notes i have a whole bunch of little subcategories but this show today uh, as i have titled the first section not the return in air quotes of the blood death knight is there is a lot of information to be spread out into the internet and hopefully today's show and the ripple effect may well hit at the right time almost like i kind of planned this but not really just kind of landed this way but Mandel, going back to you first, as it says in your lower third, you are the you are the man that wrote this post. But what do you do when it comes to World of Warcraft? What dabbling are you part of? How long have you been part of said tank dabbling? And if you have any shout outs to any other creators with you or you want to pinpoint any other resources, then please do so right now. Basically, who the heck are you? I've been theory crafting for Blood DK for what? three expansions now. So I started uh, becoming properly active and taking over the Wowhead guide and a whole bunch of other things in about 8.1 or 8.0 in some cases. But I've been active way, way, way before that. This tier, I took a bit of a step back simply because, well, I mean, you've, you've seen BFA. It hasn't been the greatest of expansions. And But before that, I was always somewhere within the world 300 to 500 bracket. And yeah, beyond being a blood DK, I've always been a multi-classer as well. So always playing four, four more tanks at the very least every tier and bring whatever was best for the fight, basically. Four or more. I mean, back when essences weren't a thing, that was sort of easy, oh. yeah. <laughs> All right. 
And a little bit of a jab to BFA there. I think we're all sort of feeling it, even though we know that 8.3 is a bit of a soft reset. But uh, in, in the guy writing that you've taken up, though, is there anyone else that's out there that's been helping facilitate and coagulate all this uh, information? Do you guys oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, as tank theory crafters, we tend to basically interact very, very often with all the, the theory crafters for other tank specializations. And there's a ton of them in chat right now. People like Aga, Lincoln, Emelson. Mm -hmm. It's like, we're always all working together in some way or other. Like the article that I wrote was proofread by pretty much all of them, for instance, sure. even before it went live. So we work as a team basically. And recently we've also integrated uh, top raiders into that as well. This huge post, this would be the first one that I, I draw the attention of chat and the internet, of course. So these will be linked in the YouTube description box down below. And I'll, I'll toss them up in chat, of course, as we go through these. But, and as part of the, the, the cornerstone of the discussion we're going to have today is what you wrote. Should I switch to a Blood Death Knight patch 8.3 in analysis? And I read all of this one and the other two. Did my homework. There's quite a bit in here, of course. There's a lot to, to, to dig through. But have you, before we really get into this, right? So we're going to introduce... Faradin too, but Mandel, have you seen a a similar sort of ebb and flow expansion after expansion when you sat down and made this post where it's almost just like this has happened before and this will all happen again? Or is this sort of a new take on the situation? This is the first expansion when Blizzard has not corrected Blood DK, actually. Oh. So every other expansion, there was something that happened midway through the expansion to course correct. And the reason being that Blood DK is a really, really difficult tank to balance. Mm -hmm. it's, it's at one or the other extreme. It's either paper or godlike, basically. Right. And this expansion started out being probably a bit, like, not too strong, but due to a, a confluence of circumstances, particularly in Mythic Plus, Blood DK turned out to be slightly too good at the start of the expansion, and the Oldian nerfs happened. But like they haven't course corrected since hmm. so it's going to be the first time in pretty much every expansion actually yeah because wrath had a course correction cataclysm had a very very big course correction mop as well Ward as well and legion as well so yeah no it's going to be the first time that blizzard doesn't course correct on the last patch of the expansion there's been a little bit of things that they've looked at but I think there was only one major note for Blood Death Knight, 8.3, in the entire note section. Yeah, so... and that was me abusing the abusing Mark of Blood in Ashran, so <laughs> that wasn't even... <laughs> oh, did you get that nerfed? Kinda. Oh, okay. Well, Faradin, same questions to you. Basically, who the heck are you? How long have you been dabbling when it comes to tank things in World of Warcraft? And what do you add to this whole tank bubble that has been sort of growing, right? Because each little community has their own thing, but the, the tank theory crafting as a separate Discord group that you guys are just all these, these big, beefy, tanky lads putting together all this information. So go for it, sir. Intro yourself. Well, I actually started off as a warlock in Classic up at 
then up through Cataclysm, I was mostly doing high-end raiding, but I took a break from the game after that, missed all of Mop, most of Quad, and came back as a Death Knight. And pretty much right away, I went into the theory crafting side of things on the defensive aspect of the class, because coming from raiding as a warlock, it really bugged me not having numbers to figure out good and what was bad when it came to the defensive side of things. It's really easy to sim for what's good for damage, but it was never really all that easy to figure out, well, how much of A is as good as how much of B when it comes to stats, essences, traits, or what have you for all the things they've thrown out this expansion. Right. But uh, as, as far as actual in-game content's concerned, I've gotten into the higher end of M+, for Season 1 and Season 3, with break during Season 2, and I've pretty much just exclusively been playing Blood Death Knight in that content. You do have some... I, I looked at your armory. You got some 22s under your belt right now before the end of Season 3. Definitely no slouch. Is the world... 26 is not in time, 25 in time, I think, right now. Is that something uh, I'd have to check. I, th I think there may be 126. I know there's plenty of 25s, though, in most of the dungeons, at the very least. Yeah, timed run leaderboards. Yeah, lots of 25s. I don't know. 25 is the highest currently. No, no 26s yet. Dang. Unless there actually was... Oh, there are one or two 26s. Oh, by Korea. And those aren't scanned properly? Is that what... Those aren't scanned up on Raider.io? That might be what that is. So I thought there was like a Twitter post that was going around. Must be what it is. Or some 26s? Yeah, RIO doesn't include a lot of Asia. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. But still, I mean, my my highest keys are like 18s. I don't even think I've done in this season. 18, 19s, and like, oh, I'm good. So 22s are definitely way up there. But you then, to expound on it a little more, you're a little bit newer to all of this. You started tanking, you said in Legion, right? Yeah, that's correct. And even then, I was pretty casually playing the game and just doing theory crafting for most of my time. Okay. What, what was the big tipping point that got you into tank theory crafting then? I don't know if you mentioned that if there was a specific point that you said like, hmm, I'm going to dive into this. I was just always a big math guy and I thought it would be an interesting problem to approach because coming from the DPS side of things, again, just wanted to see, okay, well, how can I optimize my character? And when I'm playing, I really want to make sure I'm trying to do it in the best way possible and I want to check to make sure that that's... Right. Okay. So then, <clears throat> we can begin by addressing this 8.3 rampantness here. And I'm going to like verbatim read my little note plug. Because as I was sitting down over the weekend, putting together the idea for this show, it really started off as just sort of like, I have a skeleton that I make for all these shows. I brought up the Vengeance Demon Hunter, and I brought up the, the Prot Warrior show notes. And said, alright, what kind of stuff can we talk about? Blood, blood decays specifically. I think a lot of this sort of wraps around Blood Death Knight because when I asked my chat we, you know, earlier in the week when the Twitter poll ended and said Blood Decay was next, I was wondering, well, who's who's the who's who right now? And Mandel's post came right up, not only in my chat, I asked in my Discord, a couple of people up there, Thor, 
Shout out to you who's in chat right now actually directly said I have some suggestions for you uh, for who to bring on the show. So anyway, Patch 8.3 has some rampant thoughts that are sort of floating around. And Mike, preach. Kalani, uh, I'm sure even to some degree Hazel in her videos and other content creators are sort of taking very highly to this whole Return of the Blood Death Knight moniker. And it may be a little bit misguided. So patch 8.3 and more importantly the Nihiloth of Raid. We're talking about the Raid specifically in this section most likely here. Uh, to be clear from the raiding scene because I, I'm not totally hip to the jive, but as you both sort of went over, the Mythic Plus scene hasn't really seen a ton of changes. Going back to the Prot Warrior show, which is probably very, very still totally on board right now. Prot Warrior is still like premier because they do so much damage still after being nerfed multiple times. So Blood DK hasn't really fallen off in that sense with their control and self-healing and things of that nature. But for raids, what is going on here? Is the Blood DK all over this next raid because of its magic damage? Or is it just mob movement? Is it the Agrimar situation or the Mechatorque situation? But Mandel, what, what is happening realistically in this patch? There's a combination of things happening. So just like every raid in the past, this raid brings certain fights that will tailor towards certain utility. And so immediately right off the bat, you'll most likely see a Blood DK on Hive Minds, for instance. Like the mouse grip is so unbelievably useful on that fight. Sure. It allows you to, re to redirect and move the ads at the time when it is convenient to do so. So for fights like these, you're always going to see a Blood DK simply because it trivializes the encounter or it makes it at least a bit easier. But overall, the, the, the trend that started when PTR first opened for Nihilotha is people saw the axe. The, uh, the scroll vase, or I don't know how you're supposed to pronounce it, that drops off the second boss. The one that was dealing unbelievable amounts of damage to everything around the Blood DK and immediately went, yep, that's a Blood DK raid. Show's over, people. That combined with the, the third boss dealing pure magic damage led to the, the two stereotypes that are basically all over the place right now. That's how it started. And further PTR testing has shown that, I mean, the magic damage, sure, is there, but it's not any bigger than the Eternal Palace. There are some fights that are very, very similar in terms of damage input. So, yeah, it's just early PTR feelings that coalesced and started being spread around, basically. Yeah, I, I saw some of that that was going around by basically... It's weird, though, that I'm scrolling through here, through your post. We're going to stop on a certain section when I get to it. But there's this... Actually, where is it specifically? Yeah. It's it's a bit... Well, you talk about things in Legion. I think uh, Trello goes over it in that post as well. We're not going to get too far ahead of that. Is that this whole... Death Strike back in the day was one of the only active mitigations that scaled off of magic damage. You put this right here. And this was back in Legion, right? Yeah. And this... Uh, it was Mop as well and Wad as well. Okay. Well, I guess in the way that it's kept that... I guess that's stigma. But it sort of kept that sticky note in the community's eye. That whenever it's, oh, it's magic damage, I'll better bring Deathstrike. But 
the mitigation amount for magic damage now, and it's sort of what we talked about, uh, I brought on with my Vengeance Demon Hunters in their show, which you can go back and listen to them, because they were sort of forecasting this, this turn in the tide, is that they were rather buffed, they have self-healing and self-sustain that will scale with magic damage, and they actually just flat out take less all the time. Yep, 15% less. So, how much of this, or these thoughts towards 8.3 and the whole rise of the blood decay are true versus how much are just sort of, I guess, community misperceptions or misunderstandings? Because there's some information that's proper and some that's just going to kind of lead people astray. Some of it is down to factors that are that have at least not been mentioned already. Like for instance, Vengeance Demon Hunter, in terms of just reduction of magic damage and their self-healing, granted, is just by far better than Blood DK. But considering that they've been the meme of the expansion, chances are very high that the top guild will not have one ready for 8.3. That's one thing to consider. And if you don't have a Vengeance Demon Hunter ready, a Blood DK you will definitely have, especially considering that there are grip fights. So on that one, there are people conflating the two. The fact that a, a Vengeance Demon Hunter is a niche pick and the Blood DK is just prevalent overall. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, it's too... How how should I put it? The the fact that you'll see blood decays is not because of magic damage per se. It is either because you're able to immune a mechanic with AMS, which is something that Vengeance Demon Hunters cannot do. Right, right. Or because you need a grip. For everything else, Vengeance is superior. It's a pretty bold claim. I'd be interesting to put that discussion up against what the Vengeance tanks were saying those couple of weeks ago and see how that sort of materialized. And there's going to be an interesting sort of powder keg that might go off here because certain combinations of the new corruption, essences, weapons, it's also who gets what to drop because it's always going to be just gear RNG randomness, right? Yep. May shift that balance even again or from guild to guild. Or from top kill to top kill, you might see someone that goes like, oh, they splashed this tank. Why? Oh, because they got that piece. Right? Typically, top-end guilds do not actually gear their tanks. Like, sure. we're pretty much lower on the priority, lowest possible on the priority list. And, yeah, that's simply because we bring less to the table unless there's an, a fight that requires us to have as much health as possible. Right. And even then, if that does happen, Vengeance wins out again. Because meta. Because, well, it was just a little bit buffed recently. Just a bit. Just a bit. And not not just that. Gluttony got buffed from one to two procs per minute. Yeah. It's a whole bunch of buffs, basically. So, but it's fine. We still have our unique utility. So, well, Right. And we'll get the utility. We'll leave that to the, the uh, section later on. But to keep on this and the 8.3 stuff... Faradin, since you basically switched over to this and you only have last expansion, we took all the bells and whistles, right? We had legendaries, we had artifacts, netherlight crucible, all those systems on top of each other, all those extra passives and the extra abilities and things that we had in Legion. And that was basically stripped away. 
and then you have blood decay as it is now. What was what is your take on how and how how have you sort of soaked up and responded to how because like Mandel's got expansion after expansion after expansion of seeing this keep happening, but you just got one expansion where it just abruptly takes this weird turn in what tanks are the strongest or the weakest or whatever. How do you sort of compile all that and give this conversation? What are your thoughts towards the whole mess? Well, artifact weapons in particular, I'm just going to, this is a bit of a side point, but I was sure. always very surprised that they didn't move a lot of those bonuses into the base. They just could have said, oh, you've like absorbed some of the essence of your weapon or whatever and just kept that as like a lot of passive bonuses going on into future expansions, but they didn't take that. As far as how I track it, I mean, I'm just updating everything on my own resources. I have a gigantic spreadsheet that I use to make a lot of the that I'm making, and I just go with the flow and see what the next best thing is and just start re-optimizing again. Now, are you still are you mainly focusing, though, to keep it all in in the blood DK sphere for you, or are you also juggling other tanks? I'm not juggling any other tanks. Uh, it seems like it would be a bad expansion to do so as well. Well, but if I was actually serious about, like, oh, just trying to get the maximum M plus score possible or to try to make really good progress in raids, no, I probably wouldn't be playing a blood DK right now. Would... I just enjoy playing it personally. I guess okay, right? Would you then go the the prot warrior route? Would that be your your go to, or be another one? That or brewmaster, depending on how everything shakes out with the next patch. But if we were just talking eight point two brewmaster for sure. Yeah. So that it's great that you brought up mythic plus more specifically. So Trell, who is the guy writer for the brewmaster monk mythic plus stuff on Wowhead. Part of the Pika Sturdy Discord and co-host on the Titan Forged WoW podcast. Those boys doing good things. Trell posted a WoWhead article about two days ago now. And this came up as a question, first off, to ask you to if you agree or disagree with what Trell posted, and then what your thoughts are to, to sort of go on that. Because there's some good information in here and it breaks it down pretty well. Again, I read the whole thing. And the long and short of, of what he's said is that we have the S tier is Protection Warrior. A tier is Prot Brewmaster Vengeance Guardian. And B tier is Blood Death Knight. So Faraday, what are your thoughts on what Trail has put together here? I did look over that article, and uh, without actually having played the other tanks directly myself, it does seem to be accurate, and what he said specifically about blood decays is accurate. In particular, like the main issue that we're having in Mythic Plus, which is holding us back, and will probably hold us back even more in the future, is the fact that we just go from 100 to 0% HP much faster than it. When you're infinitely scaling damage, which is also kind of scaling up more and more every season we could talk about that uh it's something that's hard to deal with as a blood death you're talking about the whole k value dungeon scaling article that's also here if you haven't checked that out yet chat too or you're talking about just how gear scaling works and how you don't necessarily scale with it that's part of <laughs> we can we can swap over here because that's something that Mandel posted a giant thing about. It's about how Death Knights scale exponentially off stats. 
and there's and all I'm, this graph mathy stuff. If you want to bring up the DTPS or EHRPS stuff, that's here. I, hmm? I was mostly just referring to as how Mythic Plus scales up higher and higher through each season. Sure, sure. The health and damage of mobs just goes up. But for players, your damage and healing is going up at a much faster rate than your health pool. So for tanks and for DPS as well, just instantly dying is kind of a big issue in M+. Even if you have the healing to be able to heal in theory, it doesn't matter if you just take it all in such a short period of time. Yeah, Blizzard's trying to curb that a little bit. The next season, if you haven't known, the, the dungeon scaling is up 52.6%. So it's going up by about a factor of plus four keys. So if you're used to doing your 10 right now, that's a 14. Or again, like a 15 is a 19, almost a 20, uh, apparently. So it's a pretty big jump. Previous seasons have only seen like a two to three-ish, like a 30-ish percent buff. This is a huge jump because we are about to gain a lot of maybe extra miners coming in here. The, the major and minor essences are on the horizon. And of course, the uh, corrupted gear. But I guess in that regard, do you, Mandel, you want to go into more of the the stat scaling stuff here? And I think that this uh, is this is part of this. Trello goes into this a bit in the post too. Is just like which tanks can actually physically just take the damage that Mythic Plus is going to deal. It's not just about taking the damage; it's also how it is taken. Because so even before we go into anything else, blood DKs are modeled around taking more damage up front and then healing it back. Right. This is why we have Death Strike effectively, and our mastery to a certain extent as well. And all our stats interact with this in some way or other. This is a, a problem in Mythic Plus more than anywhere else with infinitely scaling damage from just about every source, simply because there will be a point where the rest of your toolkit will not be able to work simply because you're dead. And that happens much, much faster than any other tank. When you compare a blood DK that will typically have 40, 50, maybe 55% upfront mitigation with a part where we're able to block or critically block 90% of the incoming damage, it's one of them will rot down a lot faster than the other. Right. There comes a breaking point with that. And every season so far in BFA has been made worse due to the, the constant rescaling of both Mythic Plus as a whole through the, the base level of it and K. There is a another part of the article, I think Squishy mentioned it on his own article about K-scaling. Mythic Plus next season will be using the K-value for normal raid, whereas previously it was using the LFR constant as well. So, yeah, things... So, for chat, K is the armor constant. It's Effectively, it's how much armor you need to have 50% damage reduction through armor. And... The higher it is, the less effective your armor is, and therefore the more physical damage you take. In the case of Mythic Plus, considering that the bulk of the damage taken by a tank is physical, that directly impacts your ability to survive. So when you have that scaling, plus the damage scaling, plus everything else, with other tanks being able to just 
flat out take more damage up front, it's yeah, it's it's something that's becoming more and more problematic, basically. And it's been like this ever since the old nerfs. Yeah, I brought up the the case killing post here. Is this was this in Legion or is this a BFA system? Because I remember doing like the tooltip look and seeing this against current target parentheses. This was I don't remember if this was a thing last expansion. Is it is it both or just this one? It so K as a whole has been there since classic. The scaling that you're talking about is a BFA thing. Okay. Used to be constant for the duration of an expansion. Hmm. Okay. But now they're just tweaking it with content types as the expansion goes on. Right. This seems like one of the weird parts of the game that when you know it exists, you can keep up with it and watch for posts and articles or updates. But if you don't know this is even a thing, this is one of those extra layers of World of Warcraft where you're just like, what? Yeah, it's deceptive in the way it is implemented, in mm -hmm. that you would expect the mobs to get stronger, but in reality, the way it is done is you effectively get weaker, you get weaker the moment yeah. you enter an instance. There's, yeah, there's been a lot of discussion on that one and how, like, even on a pure playstyle feel, it feels off to suddenly step into an instance and your armor is halved. Yeah, I guess I don't know how they would be able to do it better because I, I guess it has to be a, a two-pronged assault because if they didn't do downscaling on players as well in this type of content anyway, they would really have to ramp up mobs even higher, which you obviously can't do because not, not only the tank takes damage, right? So There's another factor into it as well in that K does not just influence armor. For certain tanks, particularly Protection Paladin, Brewmaster Monks, and Prot Warriors, okay. it also impacts the effectiveness of Block and Stagger. Right. And this is the main reason it's been scaling up. It is so that you do not get a, a case like Cataclysm, where by the second tier, Paladins are passively unhittable. As in, every hit that they take is blocked, dodged, or parried. Right. That was... The second worst moment of Blood DK was actually early Cataclysm because of this, simply because Prot Warriors and, and Prot Paladins were taking 30% less damage than the competition. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's tough. I think this it's all on the Vengeance show. I don't know if we did this on the Prot Warrior show uh, or all the way around, actually. It might be Prot Warrior, not in the Vengeance show, is that they're because of the different styles of tanking, it's going to be not only a headache for you guys to figure out, but also one for the devs to actually you know, get right or at least get within a competitive edge because you have, you sort of have the heal tanks, right? You have the take the damage to the face, heal it up. You have Vengeance, you have Guardian, and you have Blood Death Knight. Who obviously have to have some sort of upfront-ish mitigation, but for the most part, it's take damage into health pool, heal in response. You have the two block tanks, which just stop incoming damage either flatly or block additional incoming damage or in the case of the prot warrior which you talked about stagger uh against for the brewmaster but now with ignore pain not being as bad it's nowhere near as ridiculous as it used to be there's sort of an absorb 
kind of pseudo brunting of that. And then you have Brewmaster, which is a stagger, which is just, I don't know if Peo's in chat, he might have the math just on hand to copy and paste on how average HP pools are so ridiculous. Because even if you just take the heal tanks and the block tanks together, you can kind of feel like they can be balanced a little more against each other. Once you add stagger to that list though, and the effective health pool of a Brewmaster Monk is in the millions above all the other five tanks. How do you basically how how does Blizzard ever have a certain hierarchy where the tanks all can feel on equal footing to some degree without one being such a huge outlier versus the others? I mean, that was the case in Legion as well. I don't know if you, I mean, the best example was Argus, where, yeah, monks had an effective health in the billions back then. <laughs> like, it was possible to take five, six, seven, eight scythes on Argus yep. without a problem. Yeah. Whereas as a, as a blood decay, like, already taking four was, it required pretty intense preparation. Mm -hmm. And it's always been like this, but it's never been this bad. So there's always, there are ways to challenge brewmasters, or there would be ways if it wasn't for the, the way the current expansion is. And that is just by encounter design. Build something that challenges them, not just by taking the biggest hit possible, because we know they're good at this, but in other ways. They have nearly no weaknesses at the moment, but that is something that they could easily fix and design around. Uh, when you were discussing the block tanks, I also wanted to bring up Azerite, mm -hmm. which is a, a compounding factor, this expansion, where every tank has access to self-healing in the form of the innermost tier of Azerite. So even a prop warrior would be able to actually have, what, five, maybe 6k HPS just from Azerite? On top of this, they also have their class traits, and some of them are absolutely amazing, like the uh, one of the Brewmaster ones that gives them additional mastery depending on their level of stagger. Right. That just compounds the issue. Yeah, I mean, even even chat comes back with seeing Prot Warriors at 25% leech. Yep. And yep. 3x and passive visage is insane on certain on any class or certain class or tanks in particular. Which is strange because yep. obviously you want to sort of spread those out, but that's sort of one of the follies of the Azerite system is that if if you have a take prot warrior again for example a class that is supposed to mitigate incoming and ignore incoming damage as their core functionality and not really have any way to heal themselves that's their weakness but then you give them ways to heal themselves all the time it immediately shores up a weakness that then means they're just going to skyrocket past the opposite cuz you can get more healing as a blood decay, obviously, and you can get the impassive issue traits and things, but you're not stopping any of the damage still coming in and hitting you in the face. So the extra Correct. healing helps, but just... yeah, it it just doesn't offset enough. Or rather, if you're removing ninety, uh, sorry, ninety is probably a bit much. If you remove half of the damage, okay, from what is incoming as a prot warrior, then impassive visage has double the value. I think it's true. So wrap this all up then. If you can chat, if you want more information, the posts have come up in chat a couple of times. They'll be in the YouTube description box below. 
it's as a as a bunch here. The last post that this sort of all coagulates into is patch 8.2. We saw Vengeance Demon Hunters with buffs. And we've seen Prot Warrior nerfed multiple times over the course of the expansion, still reigning supreme in multiple ways. They're going to get even stronger again because they could have triple Bastion of Might with the Mastery stacking. And if they get any Mastery plus multiplicative corruption gear, woo baby, we'll, we'll see some numbers again. But, and then Bear Druids right now on the rise, mostly due to just either scaling or the, the, the new PvP arena annoyances that they're doing here. But what are the top guilds? What are you predicting or what have you... What can you share about what the top guilds might be running tank-wise? Is it going to be pretty stagnant? What's the top-tier tank that the World First I, racers are looking at? I can't give you names, but we've That's asked fine. them. And so the, the common trend is basically going to be Monk as the, the comfort pick. Simply because the... So the nerf that they've taken, or rather the bug fix from... Gift, uh, gift of the Ox, and oh. the basically the direct nerf to their self-healing is a big effect in Mythic Plus, but not that much of an effect in Raids. You were not bringing them for the self-healing, it was just a bonus, basically. Their ability to smooth damage out is way more important than their ability to self-heal. Like, monks have always been a case of taking direct damage in, like, ludicrous amounts of damage, mm -hmm and turning it into a, a damage over time equivalent, basically. So, yeah, all, all of them essentially said, yeah, Monk is going to be the, the comfort pick for any fight that does not require utility. And in terms of utility, you're going to see Paladins because of their, like, I mean, bubble, spell warding, interrupts on demand, yep. all, you, all that you want, basically. Uh, you're going to see blood decays for the grips. You're you might maybe see guardian druids on stampeding roar, although it's unlikely. So it's going to be just brewmaster default, and then bring whatever else you need to make the fight easier. And you'll definitely need at least one brewmaster, if not for that physical damage taken deep. Yep, because Mistweaver and Windwalker are not exactly and the at a good time in their life, shall we? Yeah, at the highest end, it'll be interesting. Mistweaver has gotten a whole bunch of buffs, and people are looking favorably on the Mistweaver, but that might be a more of a Mythic Plus place, not a raid place. So we'll have to see on that one. I do think most of the hype was centered around Mythic Plus as far as the Mistweaver is concerned. Right. Yeah, it's also because you're most likely going to to see a, an even more of a resurgence of the Prot Warrior in Mythic Plus, just due to the removal of Beguiling. True. The Less, fact that yeah. currently you have so many emissaries that prevent you from pulling big. Yep. And all of that is going to disappear in two weeks' time. Yep. That means that Prot Warriors will suddenly be able to pull five packs at a time again. And when a Prot Warrior has 100% mastery in Avatar, I mean, seems pretty good. <laughs> or more. Yeah. Mwahi, one of the, the Prot Warrior theory crafters, has been playing around with Lucid Major on his Prot Warrior. Yep. And yeah, I've seen the numbers. It's pretty. Oh, that was actually a meme joke jest I asked about are the Prot Warriors ready to have 100% of time on Avatar, just walking around in Avatar the entire time. And that's going to get even more prevalent in the in the patch coming up here. 
But this is the thing too. So Faraday, this is one of the other posts I had that sort of the end cap this whole discussion. There is a huge collaborative post that DJ Rift, Bicep, Monkey, uh, Volstats, we got uh, Guilty Ward Up, Jack, and Malon all sat down to write how meta skews spec strength perception. A collaboration by Wowhead writers. And Faraday, why I wanted to open with you on this one, mostly because, I mean, A, Mandel has been taking the the reins on this for a little while, but in, in, again, in your case, because yours, you came from the DPS perspective and then you have the tank back end. So you have like two, two halves of like the three parts of this main thing, right? Two chunks of it. How much of this do you see in sort of the, the expansion to expansion change? And, and, and how, how do we even, this is a great post, by the way. If I'm not making that clear, please go check it out. But, but Faraday, what have you, what did you glean from this post and the sort of the evolving perceptions in the community about, in this case, at least tanks? I read a portion of that post, and I agree with the core point where, yeah, even the, like a five percent advantage in playing one class over another can just lead to a large disparity. That graph in particular that you have up is yeah, where people will just start gravitating towards what is the best option between even just two options, even if it seems like a little bit more of a swing than is warranted by how much better choice A might be than choice B. As far as it comes to uh, M plus and tanking, though, there's such a shortage of tanks that I actually have not seen this happen too much myself as far as having issues getting in. Season one, I had a push group whole way through start to finish. I kind of got dragged into high M plus, in all honesty. Not my intention to do it at all at first. Season three, I came back and was just doing group finder for 90% of this season. And I think I had only ever been turned down from doing a key once due to being on Blood Deacon. And that's more just due to another issue where people don't really want to tank an M plus and there's some contributors to that. Not sure if you want to get into it. Well, that's, that's sort of part of the weeds that I'm totally okay with getting into for a little bit here is that this, this sort of goes into the next topic to bring up is that I'm curious if there is some way, like what is the, the state of taking a world of Warcraft, right? Is that, the two of you have all your mathy, collaborative, rainbow brain confetti and share that thoughts with, the, with, with myself, the viewers, the listeners out there about this, this, again, that state of tanking in World of Warcraft and this fun versus strong discussion because you just said yourself, the shortage of tanking. If you're not already like a die-in-the-wool tank or you're, you're one of those two or three tanks in a guild structure... I don't know if new players to the game or current would switch to a tank as their full-time thing or new players don't gravitate towards tanking because either A, the obfuscation information and how it's like really hard to describe all this stuff. We talked about it before on the top of the show, like the K value scaling and then how you get nerfed in newer content, but you don't know you do, but you have to, how do you do that? And then how, what do you gear? And then what stat values matter for how you tank and effective health pools and DTP, all this stuff, right? How do you, 
how did, how's a new player understand that or even a transitioning player do that as well so how do you go between what is fun versus strong and do you just pick whatever you know just weight says to play i how do you pick that honestly like as a, a person who would be willing to go into tanking their experience is going to matter a lot based on the class that they decide to pick hmm. so it was even more apparent at the start of, Le of bfa where if you picked a prot warrior or a prot paladin there was a fair chance you were getting flattened if you misplayed your active mitigation and yeah it was a fact of life and something that you do not have as a say a blood dk or a, a brewmaster monk for instance because their active mitigation is completely passive. So that already plays a huge part in the, the tanking experience. Like the penalty for failure on some tanks is much higher than others. On top of that, tanks have more of a responsibility in Mythic Plus in that if, the, if you decide to pull something that was just say too big or too dangerous or anything like that, it is going to be your responsibility more than the groups unless obviously something happened that was out of your control and that's something that most people seem to be pretty risk averse on that right like as a tank you will fail inevitably and it's going to be visible well, as far as the responsibility goes and the shortage of tanks then well first of all for this question that you're asking about fun versus, i don't know what's optimal or how you want to play the game in general it's going to be a different answer depending on if you're talking about m plus or uh, rate tank right but as far as why there's like a shortage of tanks i think there is a lot of reasons as manuals kind of uh, the difference between the tank dying versus the dps or even the healer dying in a key is a lot different. if the tank dies usually the whole group's going to die unless you have some quick thinking going on by everyone else in the group usually you'll have to know more about how the dungeon works in general so there's a little bit of a higher bar as far as what you need to know about a dungeon especially once you start getting into higher level and a lot of some of the default um, responsibilities that could go to anyone in the group as far as calling interrupts seasons, and routing is concerned that everyone tends to just kind of default that to the tank mm. so now all of a sudden the tank needs to know all of that as well and it's probably not helping where in mythic plus or sorry in mythic race you only need two tanks out of 20 people. So that's 10% of the raid, but you need 20% of the group to be the tank and done. So just comparing those two game types, you need a lot more tanks to support Mythic Plus. So if people are just coming from raiding as their primary form of content, there's not going to be nearly as many tanks available when they are all trying to do. Yeah. That's why I, there's definitely more to unpack there than we can really get into today. And is that, how do you, I guess I don't know how you choose that, right? I mean, I, I guess I have always choose, it's funny. I choose what's been fun for me. It just happens that the fun tank has been like the strongest one for an expansion, if not more, because I really only have ever tanked at least more like specifically on a prot warrior uh, i've done some vengeance stuff obviously because i play havoc for a long time uh, in previous expansions i've done some prot paladin stuff and some blood dk stuff but the most i've ever had expansion to expansion has been my horde side at least now a high mountain torn prot warrior always been like the most fun i've had before 
And because I guess it felt the most that I was still playing a DPS, which is probably why I felt that way. Because at least in Legion, like the full demoralizing shout stacking damage windows was just like I was playing a DPS again. But I would weave in, you know, ignore pain or a shield block, even though shield block was also a DPS button, timing it with, with shield slams. So that's what kept me at least enjoying playing that tank. And then when I do all of my testing and I go to like a Guardian Druid or in, in certain ways, a Blood DK as well now, it doesn't feel like there's anything you're doing besides I hit Thrash, I put a Frenzied Regen up and stack some Iron Fur. We have a th thrash. I'm gonna hit thrash. There's th there was no layering of of feeling engaged with the 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 DPS rotation side of the tank to keep me engaged to play it, because there's just a huge breadth of which one has that fun feel. But then again, of course, prop or prop warrior's been really strong, I guess, for a while. That's down to the class dynamics or spec dynamics, though, because mm -hmm. every, almost every spec in Legion had this. So Blood DK had the extra traits that was increasing the duration of Dancing Rune Weapon and adding an extra Dancing Rune Weapon as well, which diversified quite a bit in terms of the rotation. On top of that, defensively, we had Umbilicus Eternus, which was one of the, the traits mm -hmm. buffing Vampiric Blood. Mm -hmm. The other traits buffing Vampiric Blood in terms of strength, a whole bunch of other things that could be done to have a, a better gameplay, basically. And that was the same for every tank. Like, Brewmasters used to play Blackout Combo back then, which was really, really fun. Yep. The whole, when you hit Blackout Strike and then you hit Tiger Palm, the next Tiger Palm does what? I think it was 300% extra. Like, all that stuff. They stacked stuff. Face Palm uh, traits. Yes. Or, I guess, yeah. Relics last, last expansion, yeah. Mm -hmm. All that stuff was removed in BFA and never replaced by anything else. And that's where everything, like where that disconnect that you're talking about comes from. And I totally agree with you. Like that disconnect is, to a certain extent, the only class that doesn't have it right now is Pro Warrior. Simply because the whole anger management playstyle is still there. Yep. It's, a, it's a shadow of what it was in Antorus, but it's still there. And no other tank has it. Just ha having like the booming voice, shout, windows, lots of rage. Yep. Yeah. And then anger management buffing it further by giving you that more often. And it's all the cooldowns all the time. Kind of. Yep. I think the core of what you were talking about, Bay, as well, is that for something to feel good, fun, and enjoyable, it has to feel like the actions you are doing are meaningful and impactful in the game. And if you feel like, oh, I could have just done a completely different set of actions and what have you, the outcome would have been the same and it wouldn't have made a difference, you're just not going to feel all that good about what I think to some extent. Oh, go ahead. I think they Oh, okay. I think they succeeded with how blood DKs are designed to make them feel fun when playing with them, even though that leads to other problems that we have talked about. But, but yeah, that might not be as much of the case for other tanks as well. Well, the the fun factor thing sort of gives me a bit of a so a sidebar real quick here before I get into some Shatterlands future site then. And Farron, this goes to you. You mentioned this in Discord when I was prepping the show. Uh, and this is like a, a kind of a bow on all this. And I kind of preface this at the beginning of this and we'll sort of end with this on this topic is that HP versus DPS and HPS scaling 
it's a bit more of a pinpointed problem on Blood Death Knight, and I just want this as a side sort of topic, is why, or can you explain to me, because I don't know all this specifically again, because I just kind of run in with my shield block and shield slam and hit revenge. Why does Blood Death Knight have the lowest effective health pool, even though you have like a million health right now in the game? Well, the health pools aren't too, well, they aren't too different amongst tanks with some exception. But if you actually look at just the damage taken from different tanks in the current raid right now on Mythic, you'll notice that Blood DKs take about 30% more damage from bosses. And any difference in health pool isn't enough to make up for that. As for fundamentally why, we just don't have a lot of upfront mitigation. We just have our health pool and we can kind of parry attacks as well. So it really just comes down to parry armor and what are other tanks just have other ways of mitigating damage upfront before you start seeing shave health off of your health. And then Mandel, you're, is this, you know, I'm getting something in live. I'm getting something live. What is this huge um, Warcraft logs slice here? Is this part of this whole health pool discussion? What am I looking at here? This was given like five minutes ago by somebody in Acherus. And what you're looking at is a textbook example of how some DPS can be way, way, way better than tanks at tanking. There is a tank death happening from a blood DK in that log. And the Havoc Demon Hunter just casually blows and dodges it for another 10 seconds. Like all of it. So this is... This is the Russian blood DK eventually dying. I'm trying to see where he dies here. When the Demon Hunter starts popping up with the melees. Yeah, right here, I guess. That's where it's behind. Yep. And then the Demon Hunter pops blur and dodges for another 10 seconds. Hey, I, I, I'm ready for blur to get nerfed. Uh, next expansion, though. It's too good. Look at all. Yeah, but it, it ties into a whole bunch of other things. Like, for instance, Death Strike for Unholy and Frost is actually better than the Blood Decay Death Strike. It's, it doesn't make sense. Oh yeah, we had, that was, you brought that up the other day. I'm just looking at other things for the show is that, well, your, is that because the base version of their death strike is just a higher value because it doesn't have the whole tank incoming damage snapshot last six second event window behind it or? No, it's because it was buffed in... Uh, I think it was early 8.0 because uh, Frost and Unholy DKs were terrible at PvP. It, it was 8.1, and yeah, they had probably the worst arena representation. Okay. So the passive was added to do that, like to try to prop up the numbers, but it was added for PvE as well. Okay. All right. And again, that, that whole section... Check out the uh, the posts again because there's more about that density. But I want to get let's get a more but a, a little bit back and forth, maybe a more of a light-hearted topic. Get out of the weeds a bit. There is that 
We have some tinfoil hat speculation time. So Shadowlands looms in the distant horizon. Halinka, the great unpruner, as Ian called him, is apparently aiming at bringing back a lot of old flavor and sort of renewed class focus, like blanket class focus, with spec being the flavor, right? So you're all going to be ice cream, but which flavor of ice cream are you? And then do you have extra fudge swirls or extra nuts or sprinkles on top? That's going to be your, your spec flavor. So what does that mean for the Blood Death Knight then? And do you have any personal sort of wish list items that... Because we've, we've kind of glazed over a couple of them in the last 50-ish or so minutes of discussion here. But Faradin, do you have like a personal list of things that you're hoping that Blood DK gets back? You have like the direct line to Legion, and then we'll see what Mandel has to expound upon there too. A lot could be done with just number tuning, but if I was mm. to just pick one ability, I think it would be fun to have Dark Simulacrum again in PvE. It it could cause some issues, but I mean they still have Spell Reflect and Spell sure. Steal in the game, even though those would are equally problematic. But. I mean, they've already told us, too, what some of the abilities we can expect to get back. Well, you just have AMZ coming back. That's all that thing they said for you guys so far, right? Uh, Ch Chains of Ice as well, though. That's probably uh... not going to see too much use in a lot of content types other than maybe PvP, though I'm not sure why you'd want to PvP. Tanks are super annoying in PvP. Have you not heard about the Guardian Druid madness right now? I don't think we can replicate that. It would be fun if we... <laughs> It's... Half of the Guardian Druid stuff is due to a, an unwanted interaction, though. It's because the protector of the pack PvP talent props brambles. Ah, oh, it's so... it's super annoying. And I, I hate the sound effect of it. Ah! It's like psychological warfare. The... Unbearable, yeah. Don't... don't do that. <laughs> You had on here as well, uh, old or quote-unquote real blood shield, or potentially the old-school shadow of death. Yeah, the old blood shield is a throwback straight back to Cataclysm, where our mastery was in the hundreds of percent. So every time you death strike, you would gain a blood shield that was not just noticeable, but super strong, basically. Right. People who have progressed on Madness of Deathwing as a Blood DK, for instance, will remember taking Impales without any cooldowns, just with Blood Shield. That's one of the things that I feel has been hollow, at least for... It wasn't the case in Legion because of all the, the fact that you could put so much more damage into the Death Strike window, and therefore you would get a much bigger Blood Shield. But particularly in BFA, where Blood Shield is just not impactful. Shadow of Death is more of a, a flavor kind of pick. It's, it's the whole, when you die, you can come back as a ghoul for 20 seconds from Wrath. It was removed in 3.1, but bloody hell, was it fun during that time. Honestly, in terms of the abilities coming back, the, the problem with most of them is that they all relied on the old rune system, which has been removed. Like, for instance, well, something they... like Plague Typhon would make no You you went off on another example in the old rune system, but old rune system 
Do you want that back or do you want the current system to stay? I'd be partial. See, if the if they build more interactions around blood shield, uh, around sorry, not blood shield, bone shield, mm. for instance, I'd okay. be happy with the current rune system. But as there is at the moment, bone shield is a passive resource. The runes are a passive resource because all you're doing is spending them as optimally as you can sure. to generate runic power. It is literally fuel for death strikes, but indirectly. If there were more interactions, then I would be perfectly happy with keeping the current rune system. I mean, there are so many talents at the moment that could be so good if they were given a bit of love. For instance, Tombstone, which is, it allows you to convert five bone shield charges into an absorb and extra runic power. All it would need is a slight buff to make it a bit better and to be moved on a different row because you're never going to not pick ossuary. Or I think I saw that scroll by in chat, just tombstone baseline. That would also work, yeah. Um, it would be a great addition to the kit. Well, because you had you had in the older rune system, you had like death tap and rune tap and things of those natures and, and stuff of that you could manipulate your runes in certain fashions and actually do things with them. But now I don't think there's anything like that in the game at all anymore. Nope. We're the only spec, the, we are the only death knight spec that doesn't have a rune management resource of some sort. Right. Like frost has runic empowerment, which causes them to gain runes whenever they spend runic power and unholy gets rune regen whenever they spend rune, uh, runic power as well. So yeah. we're, we're the only ones left without, how about, uh, this is a bit of a contentious one, I suppose, because it might, may or may not ruin the Blood Decay viability, the utility toolkit here. Uh, Faraday, on you, what is your yes-no on Gorfine's grasp going to the DK class again as a whole instead of just being on Blood Death Knight? I think that'd be a good thing for the game. I know they've shied away from giving unique utility to different specs and try to make things more standardized. I think you lose something there when you go too far in that direction and then everybody's paper cutouts except for slightly worse or slightly better than everyone else, at least when it comes to... Right. So yeah, I would be in favor of them making changes like that, giving utilities such as Gorfine's Grasp to Frost and Holy and even doing similar things for other special... I think it, it. Do you think it would need a similar treatment to how just grip is? Because grip on blood is a shorter cooldown than grip on a DPS DK. That's not. I think that's that's correct. So would, would Gorfiends on blood be a shorter cooldown, but Gorfiends on Frost and Holy be a longer cooldown to sort of keep that sort of balance parity in place? There would that need to be their tipping point, or maybe should just like baseline it across the class? It's the same period. Maybe some talents might interact with it but you might also have the same talents on all three specs as well, so. On that one, I think it would really depend on how they design the encounters more than anything sure. else. Like if, if, if they are designing around an encounter requiring Gorfiends every minute, for instance, and Blood DK has a one minute cooldown for it and Frost and Noli have two minutes, then it does them no favor to actually have it. Simply because you're just going to make one of them go blood and have a third tank a la Agramar, basically. 
Oh, here's Chewy in chat saying, unnerf its range as well. and Put it back as a class-wide talent. Yep. Unnerfing its I'm range? That's the the problem with the range is even though it's been nerfed, it's still much bigger than the the Vengeance Demon Hunter one. Oh, of sure. Sigil of Change so, is tiny. Yeah, they do have the advantage that they can get it quite a quite a bit more often than Mouse Group, but in practice, in an encounter, that makes no difference. Right. So, was there anything else that um, do you need consumption baseline? Again, that fun, fun, big old sweeping death strike button to be a thing. I put on here anything going from key past expansions, artifact bits, some entire interactions apparently have also been removed, which I put what? <laughs> yeah, dancing rune weapon being able to copy army of the dead. Now that was some. Wait, what? Yeah, I'm not joking. That was Wrath of the Lich King, but. Would it, it, it would copy all of the. It would spawn ghouls the same way you would spawn ghouls. Oh, it would spawn ghouls. Not. Oh, me just wrecked my chat. I purged this chat. Don't. Mia did a thing. I'll give him his moment. Thank you, Mia. Ridiculous. You did just purge the entire chat window. <laughs> but wait, it would spawn ghouls, not just copy auto attacks. I don't think that was supposed to be a thing. That seems. Dancing Ruin was copying, back in Wrath, it was copying everything. Literally. Like, it was copying your auto-attacks, all your spells cast, so you could cast Death and Decay with your Dancing Ruin weapon. It was hmm. a bit, yeah, it was a bit crazy, but very nice. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Anything else you want to look forward, anything else you want to look forward to in Shadowlands? Uh, Faradin, do you have anything else? As far as consumption's concerned, that ability was either... Everyone complained about it for a while in Legion just because it was this filler ability, didn't really heal for much, didn't really do that much. Then they go into Tomb of Sargeras and all of a sudden it becomes one of the most broken abilities you can possibly have. So, I don't think it's ever really been in a perfectly healthy state for the game. And if, if they brought it back as it is, as a talent right now, no one would really care too much about it because it doesn't particularly do it is a talent right now yeah i don't think anyone uses it though yeah i mean it's simply because like faradin hinted at it the fact and the reason why it became so good all of a sudden was not consumption itself it was vampire core like the ability to give four other people 20 percent leech, leech on yeah. a third in terms of uptime was just game breaking there's no other word for it. You were not using consumption for the consumption. You were literally using it for the leech. It was a healing cooldown. Yeah, Yeah, it was a group healing cooldown. And it was brilliant in certain Mythic Plus scenarios. Things like Herja on Tyrannical, like on the high keys, you could not do with Yeah. Yeah. Wait, consumption gives a percentage of the heal to players around. Like it spreads an AoE blood shield. Hmm. That would be an interesting take on it, actually. Well, because leech scaling is it gets toxic, right? Because then you have yep. you have classes that already have a ton of leech, like havoc. You have classes that hit really, really hard, like fire mages and destruction warlocks, who just 
become unkillable for short bursts of time because they're doing so much damage for that leech to to just keep them way up where it should be the healer's job in a way. So yeah. like you're so uh, Peo's idea is that consumption would just splash a blood shield at everybody. Hmm. That'd be kinda neat. I mean that ability having some group interaction was definitely like an interesting thing to have in your kit. But yeah, if they could do it in a way that was reasonable, it would actually be a, a nice equipment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mia, thank you again for breaking chat. If you guys have questions, of course, for the guests, we will get to those shortly. But I think that that's the good first chunk. It's like three quarters of the show. I always say it's like the first half, but it's pretty much the biggest chunk there. Anything else you wanted to add for the Shadowlands hopes? Anything else on your lists? Or be good to uh, sort of weave in some chat Q&A here? There's a, a mention from Banshee on on chat about certain DPS specs having an insane leech to start with. Right. And like the his example is perfectly correct and it's fire mages where not only do they have ridiculous leech through lucid because like they use lucid through combustion. It's like the second cooldown that they use inside it, which gives them leech at the time when they're the burstiest. And on top of that, they have Azerite traits that cause them to heal for a, I think it's something small. It's something like three or four K every time they cast an instant cast spell. But as a fire mage, you're casting instants like two thirds of the time. There was a, I did, I did a joke here at some point with Mwahi and we ended up like, it was just me and him with me on my fire mage. Hmm. And we survived the last boss of 15 tyrannical underart without a healer or anything like that. Like both of us, him because lucid major prot warrior and me because Lucid Major Fire Mage. It is pretty good. Understatement of the year. I don't think that really ties in directly to Shadowlands hopes, unless you're saying that the rampant amount of leech that other classes should get shouldn't be as prevalent or as easy, but that's... Either more people have it or less people have it, basically. Up until the uh, BFA beta, Blood DKs and DKs overall had a leech aura. I think it was 3% leech to everybody nearby. That was uh, part of the, the whole class buffs that they decided to scrap, apart from two buffs, basically. The, well, debuffs, really. The Monk and Havoc DH ones. Right. So, like, we had it um, up until the beta, and I'm still unsure why it was removed. Because, like, 3% leech is not going to fundamentally break anything. It's what uh, it's what Prot Warriors brought last expansion, though. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody seemed to mind. Like it was a it was, it was a nice good. little boat. It's similar. It was similar in effectiveness to just like Blessing of Light on Prot Paladin, Holy Paladin, or the Seal yep. of Light Judgment, kind of old school style. Yeah. Even though that they was... have it at the moment. It's Judgment of Light, if I yeah. remember correctly. Yep. No, it's it's still there. It is still there. But, Faraday, last little bit before we move us along here. Anything else you want to add? As far as what I'm looking forward to seeing in Shadowlands, I am, am hoping that they find a permanent solution to dungeon scale. Honestly, the damage mm. that you were taking, it felt to be coming in in pretty good amounts in Season 1, but Season 3 is just a whole different story. And I played a lot more Mythic Plus in Season 1 than I, I'm doing right now. So you, because you didn't, 
you experienced, but you didn't tank challenge modes in MOP and Warlords then. Because that, that baselined no. you. So you could have stronger gear eventually, and that's when gems became sort of toxic. Uh, and obviously certain trinkets that came along later on down the line, like the Blade Master trinket, it didn't matter that it got scaled down when all five people in your group used it. But that would that was their attempt at two expansions of scaling you down and flatlining you to keep you at a constant, a constant sort of curve. And now they've done Legion and BFA with this exponential where you keep going up and up and up and they keep trying to pull you back down and you go up. You're pulling back. So, two different systems. It seems like they're doing a lot of kind of small course corrections where they kind of know it's an issue, but it's not really... And especially with those recent like dungeon nerfs that you... So they yeah. kind of know it's an issue, but they haven't really fixed it and the changes that they've made are insufficient. Well, we will see. Well, I'm sure plenty of the Acris folks that are hanging out in chat here today have a couple of questions that could definitely keep the conversation going. So my guests can take a, a quick break while I jibber-jab for a few moments here. And if you have some questions, wait for just a few moments and we will uh, be able to weave those into the show here, of course. But again, if you haven't here, or if you weren't here at the beginning of the show... Uh, next Sunday is going to be Havoc Demon Hunter, which uh, Kib will be here, and we'll get one or two more guests to sort of fill out that roster of show to talk about Havoc. You voted on it, and after that, we double-check the list here. We have uh, Dis Priest and Brewmaster Monk. They'll be back-to-back, -back basically, once, the, once the, the raid's going and stuff of that nature. There's going to be the Race to World first there in the middle, if you haven't heard this as well. I will be casting at... The Race to World First, again, that is at Take TV over in Krefeld, Germany, hosted by Method. So I will be there for the whole two weeks that uh, the event would probably take place in. It's 12 bosses, though, and five of them are looking pretty spicy. So we'll see how that goes, but if you haven't heard yet, I will definitely be there. I cannot tell you who else will be there. You can infer and check online because everyone that's in the talent part of the whole event can say themselves, but we're not supposed to just, like, say, everyone's here, bleh. Method will have posts all week telling you about. So they're going through their roster right now of who's joining from the Method team. Uh, the official post has all the different POVs that'll be involved in the event. And of course, all the talent will also be announced as well. So there's that. Again, if you miss any of these live shows, of course, they get archived over on the YouTube channel. So if you can check that out, links are down below for all the past episodes. We're at 208 now. And of course, there are 207 before that. But just ignore the first 70 or so. You don't need to go back that far. Don't be ridiculous. But so there'll be Disciplined Priest and Brewmaster Monk after the race to World First and after my normal. Uh, I may do a first place, second place show. Depends on what happens during that two weeks. Depends on how spicy the raid tier was. If Nazoth is horribly awkwardly tuned or if other previous bosses are more difficult. We'll see if I can get uh, in touch with the first and second place guilds. But I'll still do my, you know, World First and potentially world second shows, and then we'll get back on the spec train, but Shadowlands beta is definitely on the horizon, and that's going to be a huge part of beta testing on the on the future for not only the channel here, but also for YouTube channel as well, because I've done that for two, if not three expansions in a row. I make all those videos, all the different spec testing. That's still on, on the docket for the future. But, of course, the reason why I am here part and parcel to you guys help me out to make sure the show keeps going but again big shout out to my sponsors and partner over at Corsair I do have a announcement to share 
about my relationship with Corsair. Not well, it wasn't supposed to rhyme, but it did. And that's how we got here. But I will have that announcement when I get back from the race to world first because the timing will not line up. But I'll share that with you guys in early February. But if you're looking for any pieces and parts, bits and bobs for an upcoming build, a current build, upgrading, getting ready for Shadowlands, you can go check out Corsair. They have a whole bunch of things and they're at CES right now, like their top bar says. They've got some new products that are being announced. And of course, new year, new gear. Whole bunch of stuff coming out from Elgato as well. And shout out to Elgato for providing the new key lights that I am currently illuminated by. And I've got my my cam link for my computer for my camera now set up. I've got one of the awesome green screens mounted on my ceiling now. They've sent me one of those. Super awesome. I also haven't got my stream deck set up, of course. I've got the HD60S for my Switch capture and potentially the PlayStation capture in the future here. But if you want to check out their stuff, links are, of course, down below, both here on Twitch and on YouTube. Keeps the show rolling. We're at going on eight years of this crazy ride. Started at Mr. Pandaria. We're about to hit Shadowlands. It's been been a crazy roller coaster, so I appreciate you all for being here. Long for the ride. And if you have any questions about Blood Death Knights or the state of the current coming patch here, it's Tuesday. As I'm sitting here recording this, it's Sunday night, Monday, and then patch day. So hopefully you guys have all your reps capped. Hopefully you have your Mythic Plus done. Hopefully you have your Conquest cap. Hopefully you have your island map ready and the island map on the vendor. Remember to click the map tomorrow and then you do the whole thing. Maybe you have your emissaries. Get your two emissaries ready to go so your third one pops in on Tuesday. Alright. Auto shutdown initiated. My headset wants to turn off. Auto shutdown canceled. We're good to go. Alright. Mandel. Faraday, you guys ready to take some questions from chat? Yes. Yep. I'm sure they will. none of them will be trolly whatsoever. They'll all be serious. And none of the ones that I have in the notes are also true. They're all serious questions, okay? First one I have to ask. Let me pull up this post here. If you guys aren't familiar with this, there is a whole bunch of corrupted weapons and corrupted changes and gear and all this stuff in the patch here. But there is this one weapon called Shikshul Vaz. I can't, whatever. Old God speech. Where you gain yeah. obsidian skin, increasing your armor by 5%. While in combat, explode with obsidian destruction every 30 seconds, dealing shadow damage equal to a recently now nerfed 175% of your armor to all enemies within 20 yards. Now costs 50 corruption to use the two-handed axe. Do you guys have any... I'm sure you have plenty to say about this weapon, but... Yeah, I'm trying to find the spreadsheet for you, because... Excuse there's, me? There's two oh. components to that weapon. There's the armor, and then there's the, the damage proc. Sure. And both are interesting to look at in their own way. Okay. So... Are we joining the first version of this weapon with ridiculous numbers? Yeah, yeah, we are. For chat, the first the first version of the weapon had a proc that encouraged you to macro slash sit into all your abilities, simply because as a tank, 
when you sit down, you take critical strikes. But this wait, means you... that, yeah, it's a neat little interaction back from vanilla, basically. But it says every 30 seconds you just explode. Why do you have to sit down? The first version of the axe was when you take a thousand percent of oh. your health in. Yeah, it's as bad as it sounds. Yikes. I found the spreadsheet. So there's I I went through and looked at what gear would look like by the end of 8.3 and modeled the effective DR from armor with and without yes. the axe. Okay. A lot of numbers so... going on here. Yeah, the charts will load eventually. Yeah, well, they're there. I've got it. So what are we looking at here? Walk, walk me through the math. You're looking at the armor inflation in terms of your average item level and the effective DR from it. So the damage reduction is in, well, it's obviously a fraction of one. And those are the different tiers corresponding to the different K values. So at the very top, in orange and in blue, uh, you're seeing the 8.2 Mythic Plus. And what would be if you had the weapon? And then below that, you're seeing the 8.3 Mythic Plus, and if you had the weapon, and then Heroic, and then Mythic in pairs of lines. And the armor inflation is on the graph above. So with in red, with that in blue, and the base armor, as in before Bone Shield. It, and this is just because of the 5%? Yes. Okay. So right now, the average tank will be at around 50% damage reduction from armor. Right. The moment the patch hits, we're going to drop down to about 35%. Right. And we will never get back to 50%, even with the axe. Even with the axe. Mm -hmm. The armor portion has never changed on the weapon through all three versions. Of the... It's no, a, a it's little a, it's helpful defensively, but not particularly strong when you compare it to other crew. Okay. It, it's the short version. Yeah, the problem is its cost. Because if it was 10, 15, 20 corruption, it would be justifiable on the armor because the proc is not very good, basically. I think the, the oh, go on. The, the fact that it costs fifty right now is just overwhelmingly bad, basically. Yeah, I think the last version of it where it was twenty-five, but the damage was nerfed by ninety percent. That may have actually seen in M plus, but now that it has been nerfed again, double corruption and a third of the damage has been taken up. It's uh, probably not going to see any play. Yeah, or it's going to get cleansed. Oh, you cleanse it just for my level, but you won't you won't take it. Yeah, if you have nothing better, basically, like if you did not farm King's Rest often enough to get that two hundred. So that was that was sort of the the follow up question that that my my Discord sort of joked about was that how many times do they have to nerf Shikzulvaz? Uh, and the follow up meme answer was until no one wants to take it. So it seems that they're already the there. Oh. Yeah. I mean, they've done the same with the Nazoth weapon as well, though. 
because huh. the Nazoth weapon, the, the Twilight Devastation Sword, is 75 corruption. Like for most people, that is out of their corruption budget. How much? Yeah, well, it's strange to me because the amount of corruption resistance you can eventually have in total on your gear is is pretty substantial. You can have is it sixty five? Minor. You minor were talking about before you hit zero. Oh, I'm talking about uh, like eight months from Tuesday. You're going to have 125, if I remember correctly. Oh, is it? Corruption resistant. Oh, I, okay. Base amount and then the scaling cloak beyond the like the, the extra 18 or 20 weeks of one upgrade a week that gives plus three or something like that. No, that is included. The 125 is the cloak all by itself. Right. Like, oh, okay. fully maxed out cloak. And then 10 from essences. Lincoln. So you can eventually wear... That's just the strange part of it. It's going to be a, a crazy slow roll, obviously self-nerf, to be able to put on more and more corrupted gear. That's fine. But it is... It's, it's 11 weeks? 10 weeks? 11 weeks to get to plus 15. Or to high level 15. And then, then you unlock the one plus three token kind of like you did with the uh argus with trinkets or archimond yep. yeah. oh yeah uh, and that takes another 20 24 weeks something ridiculous or 28 weeks it takes a long time it basically yep. takes until the shadowlands comes out which is a little bit silly so some of these weapons that you can see on here and this was the updated post actually from just the other day some of the items just went up a little bit more in corruption. Went from 25 to 30, 25 to 50 on the the axe, for example. Some went down. And then again, there are some of the things that are 75, like on Devastation's Hour, 75 corruption. And you can sit around 30 to 40 pretty comfortably. But yeah, beyond 75 that... 75 is just too much. Like Oh, yeah, it's, it's a lot. I mean, suppose you're a Fury Warrior. You want two of those. What are you going to do? That's 150 corruption, right? Of the you just can't. Yeah. Just quite literally can't. Because you can't be 100 corruption. It's just not going to work for any type of content in the game. You can try it, I'm sure. But good luck. Good luck. It's a shame, though, because I think the last version of the axe before they nerfed it again was in a, in a very good spot where you'd want to use it, but not all the time, and it wasn't overbearing. Hmm. I know the first time it came out, we saw the the damage numbers from certain things. I think with like the Feral Druid staff, the community was just like, oh no. There's a couple of those that you, came out. You mean the Fury Warrior staff, yeah? Ah. <laughs> Funny. Yes, also that. Or like the, uh, the Int Trinket that we're all going to want, right? Yeah. It's item design has hit a brick wall on that one. Because the effect sounds good in in theory. Like, the whole, it amplifies the damage that you do from your abilities, but it, it should just be whitelisted to only be spells. Yeah. That would fix it. Yep. So there's a question that came up. Let's hold on. There was a couple. I only have one chat window now, so chat's going to move along a lot in this section. But um, 
what did Northern Man ask here? Have you ever noticed that Blizzard has limited your weapon choice? Unlike Frost and Unholy, who need certain weapons for full rotation. Could you, for example, tank Lolo Mythic Plus with a one-hander? No. That's the the short version. So much of your damage, like the, the all the core of your toolkit, requires a... Well, it, it's based on weapon damage, basically. And a one-handed weapon has effectively half the damage of a two-handed one, give or take. Long gone are the days of Cataclysm, where you could dual wield as a blood decay as well. Right. So, uh, that was quite a meme as well. Like the whole Dragon Soul Soul Drinker stuff. Jesus. Dark times. So then, how about are there any Azerite traits or essences uh, of note for tanking? Like anything changing for Blood Death Knight in 8.3? There's a couple of interesting things coming up, but they'll be situational at best. Like one of the, the new miners is effectively working like a, a souped up version of the urchin trinket from Eternal Palace. In that you store health as a buff, I think it's every second. And then whenever you dodge or parry a hit, it gets converted into a straight up heal up to a maximum of 10% of your health. So that could definitely see some play in Mythic Plus, for instance. I have reservations on it simply because it triggers on a dodge or a parry, which means that if you're unlucky enough, you could waste the entire potential that you had stocked up, basically. Which one? What is the name of that one? Trying to look Strength the of the Warden, I think. Strength of the Warden. Ah, oh, yeah, I see. Every two seconds, store an amount times your versatility times an amount healing up to a maximum of your total health. 10% of your total health. When you dodge or parry an attack, you heal for all the stored healing. And then the ma and this is the, the, pa the hidden passive that you get 3% more HP. That's just on the, uh, the socketing each of the ones. It's just weird how it's tank specialties of all players in your party. I don't know if that's just the way it's coded in, but it's just each little node is 3% more. So this that, is... That is a strange part of it. Yeah. When you dodge or parry an attack, you heal for all the stored amount. But you could dodge or parry at full health. And it does nothing. That's something, too, where it's probably going to be more efficient if you got multiple targets attacking you instead of this one slow-swinging... Sure. Boss that might be attacking you because there's a lot more time to get potentially topped up between those big swings. On, but we'll just have to take a look at the logs on that one mostly. Mm -hmm. Okay. I did see that Trail talked about the the taunt essence being kind of neat, mostly because it's the uh, the fifty percent additional damage from you debuff when you taunt everything. There's a problem with that as a blood DK. We have no DPS cooldown that we can line up on top of it. Uh, bone so Storm! The... Not really, though. Like, Bone Storm itself, it, okay, it does damage, but it doesn't do. Like, what the way I'm going to see that essence, I think, we're going to see it on the very first pool of Freehold as a Prot Warrior. 
you're going to see them use that essence, grab all five packs at the same time, pop everything, like Avatar included and everything, yeah, and do 50% extra on everything. Yep. And then they're going to pop out of the instance, change back to Lucid Major, and then do the rest of the instance that way. That will definitely happen. For sure. I'm not sure if you'll see that Major used at all. That's, it's the only borderline case I can think of. And even then, it's borderline. What about uh, Formless Void? You guys ready to get some uh, some Kamehameha's going on? Or some uh, some Rocky Boys? Or some Blood of the Enemy? Do you want to talk about the Major or the Minor first? It <laughs> sounds like the Major. It sounds like the Major, yeah, where you steal the Essence. Yeah, the re Well... You'd be stealing a DPS or a healing essence with this. Otherwise, you just directly use whatever essence you'd want more right. times than not. So, I don't know if Mandela has an opinion on this, but I've looked through them and I haven't, unless you just want to, yeah, focusing Iris, I don't really see much of a point in taking this. There's a problem with it in that it's not just copying the essence, you're incurring 30% bigger cooldown. And in Mythic Plus, cooldowns are super important, and especially layering them up. So, for instance, as a tank, you're going to be pulling big every two minutes, simply because most of your group, your healer revolves around two-minute cooldowns, your DPS revolves around two-minute cooldowns, the focusing iris by default is two minutes as well. So you're going to come in, and you're going to have a two-minute 30, two-minute 40 meme beam. You're essentially going to be out of sync with the rest of the group apart from the very first meme beam. Oh, shit. Corrected by a chat. It's 90 seconds, so... It would be yeah. two minutes with Formless Void. Okay, forget what I said. Then, yeah, it's, you might see it. It's going to be unlikely, but you might see it. The weird part about that, there's two-pronged here. When you're channeling the, you know, the, the, the GCD, you can't block dodge repair when you're channeling a spell. So you might take a little more damage during that, which is... Whatever. The the big one there is what Pale actually said is that Formless Void might be the default major for progression. In raids, you can steal healer cooldowns and basically add two more healer CDs to the raid. Yeah. I mean, if you steal... I'm not up to speed on the, the healing essences, but I think there is a good one coming up on 8.3. In terms of the, the whole taking damage during Essence of the, the Focusing Iris, we have one of the strongest slows in the game, and Iris is not exactly a short-range beam. So on that one, I think if you play it properly, you should not be taking hits during the channel. I mean, we're already playing with a similar channel as part of the, the default Mythic Plus setup, because we're very, very strongly... Let's just say we like the, the Fang, Merakta's Fang from Temple of Sethralis as a, a DPS trinket, as blood, so we're used to channels like that. Oh, oh, okay. Gotcha. How about any insight, information, thoughts on the new corrupted roles on gear? Uh, if we go back to the earlier part of the show with all this stat madness and how how all four stats interact with the Blood Death Knight, is there a sort of a, a hierarchy or a, a, I guess, a wish list of which corrupted effects you would like 
obviously there's ones for like tanking, like avoidant, for example. But are you just going to want to get the DPS ones? Is there secondary ones you want? Do you just want siphoner? What do you guys think? We assume that they aren't changing anything and things go live as it is, which I mean, it's only a few days away. So most likely the case. Probably just going to be piling on as much versatility as possible for high mythic blessing. Uh, when so it just... comes to the corruption specific. Okay. Yep. There's, I'd be more intent to make a list of things to avoid rather than things to focus on. Sure. That's also, that's also so, fair. But yeah, scaling, extra because... multiplicative versatility sounds strong. But what do you want to avoid then? It's additive now. It's the last PTR oh. uh, build fixed it back to being additive. So it just adds... Hmm, I'm not sure that's better or worse for some classes now. It's it's still worth it. Like in terms of things to avoid, you're avoiding crit damage, like the extra crit damage run, because it got nerfed into the ground. Sure. Avoidant, I'm honestly not sure. Like I'm ninety percent sure it's not going to see use simply because so much of the damage in Mythic Plus that would be reduced by avoidance is avoidable to start with. Tanks aren't taking a lot of AoE damage, yeah. Yeah. They changed this from Legion, where avoidance was the be-all, end-all, and if you didn't have 20% avoidance, you had a rough time. That's not the case in... Okay. Those two I would I would put on the avoid list. Other than that, everything will have value. Yeah, the latest build updated a whole... a couple of them. In the newest build, anyway. Avoidant got buffed, even though it's still weak, I guess, depending on... Uh, Gushing Wound went up a little bit. Uh, Echoing Void splits damage, and it's a little bit harder with uh, Corruption at Tier 3. I don't know if you haven't seen the math on the Infinite Stars perk. I, I don't know what's going on with this one, personally. It makes sense that it would do a lot of damage but then not stack over and over and over again, or other way around where it would do little damage and then stack to more and more and more and more. Right now, it just lasts the entire boss fight, and if you get like a tier two infinite stars and you have enough corruption to knock this down to 30, you might only have this entire tier two corrupted, you know, infinite stars for the entire progression if you only last, you know, three, four weeks or so, because you won't need anything else. And it's, it's very strange how this one trait... Maybe that's the whole point where its hierarchy is that if you get lucky enough to get this trait, that's it from a DPS standpoint. But... Uh, just bear in mind that this trait has ramp up. No, it, it absolutely so... does. The, the issue is that they, they buffed the base amount to not... It's still so much damage. Yeah. It's probably going to go back down, I, I reckon, like before Wednesday. Right. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely see. We'll definitely see. But Siphoner went up a little bit for your increased leech. Now, like these still read that this seems multiplicative, but if you say some of these are additive now, maybe the stat bonuses ones are additive, because this still reads because it doesn't have the whole additional word in there. But Twilight Devastation went up to higher health. You'd think that the tanks would like Twilight Devastation because it's health scaling. But is this one not on your radar? They nuked the the proc chance of it. Uh, our PPM went down. 
Yep, down from two to one. Dang. Okay. The rescale, the twisted appendage. Weaker at first, then way stronger for ranks two and three. And, and then, with the new minor essence, which ties into this, or new minor and major essences, and yeah, they're really encouraging to use your extra slot on one of the new essences because the first one you use gives you an extra ten corruption resistance. And looking at these bonuses, you can see that that, yep. that actually turns into something somewhat meaningful, depending on which bonuses you have available. Yep, it definitely is going to give you options. And and the whole blue post about this was that it, they want to. And they, they're trying to see, right? They've got all this information about Titan forging and war forging, good and bads, mostly bads, over the past many years. And now they want to see a totally different loot system. It all depends on how often it drops and how many pieces you might get that are corrupted. Because if it doesn't have... The two camps that I've seen about this whole thing is that if it doesn't... If everything doesn't drop corrupted, then you just have a chance to get a piece that's worth it. And then if you get the piece that's like plus this thing that is just blah for you then you just remove it, and then you just don't even get anything neat in this whole thing. So it almost sounds like, at least some of the feedback I've seen, is that every piece of gear should just drop with corruption on it, and you choose to either keep that or remove it. Because when you add the extra layer of RNG, which we already have in the game, but... Max was the first one to say this, and honestly, I completely agree with him. Oh, okay. If if corruption is the way it is at the moment, make everything corrupt, like every single piece of gear that drops. Just it's going to feel a bit like Diablo initially, but mm -hmm. the game already feels like Diablo to start with. A little bit. So, like, why not go full out and have everything corrupt? Yeah. Because otherwise, right now, suppose you want a specific item. You want it to drop, which is already quite a stretch sometimes. You want it to drop with the right... Sorry, corrupted to start with, with the right corruption. And because you don't want to spend 25k on an extra socket, you want it to be socketed as well. That's already a very, very slim window compared to just Max Titan Forge as it is today. I mean, I'm, I'm all for eye-level being eye-level again. I've been sort of hurrahing for that for a long time so it's one step in the right direction but it all depends on how often this stuff drops and they're just trying to use this as a live beta test so this feedback how this feels will directly translate into how gearing will be in shadowlands because currently there's no additional gearing system in shadowlands they don't have anything planned for that they're using this versus warforge titanforge to to go forward and to litmus test all of this good bad positives negatives pros and cons so but I mean, if you guys see any other questions fling by in chat or any of the discussion points you want then please definitely bring it up i've got a couple of questions here right now let's see which uh what artifact appearance for your blood death knight legion Trying to bring these up real quick. Where were they? Which Legion artifact appearance was your favorite for the Maw of the Damned? Which I still say was too small. Needs to be way bigger. But mm -hmm. agreed. In my case, it's the PvP one. Oh, is that is that uh, uh, Executioner? Uh, yeah. The 
Yeah, that one. Yeah, the axe. Like the actual chonky square axe, yeah. Yeah, it fits really well with some of the transmog. Faraday, what's your favorite? I'd probably go with the red hidden appearance from late. Touch. I what it's actually called. Touch of undeath. It's how is this a two-handed axe though? I don't know why Blizzard's art department think that's a two-handed axe. It looks like a one-hander. I know it's very small hands. It's I guess we do kind of, but it always kind of feels like the weapons are not big. The axes always feel like they're not big. But now, none of the artifact weapons for Blood are particularly. What the Mage Tower one was awesome. Bone Jaw is the Mage Tower. That looks, looks really a little boring. <laughs> the balance of power one was also really nice. Oh, the scythe? Soul Reaper? Yeah, Soul Reaper. It's the one that deviated from the fact that it was an axe to being a giant scythe, yeah. Yeah. Biggest regret with Legion is how they kept the artifact appearances to be spec specific. Because I'm one of the few to I like I went through everything. I got every mage tower on every spec. Nice. And just can't use the unholy weapon as blood. Even though it fits so well with some of the sets. Actually, I'm not sure how I've done it, but I've consistently been able to get the blood artifact appearance to show up when I respec unholy. There really? may be a way to consistently Yeah, do yeah. There's a bug that allows you to do Thor wants to ask Faradin about your spreadsheet. No, I just do most of my calculations for trying to figure out what things are worth with like a giant spreadsheet that models for Blood Death Knight. Well, I guess I it's, it's the... still available in the, the class Discord and one of the channels there. Oh, it's public, though. That's what I was curious. It's public? Yes. Okay. I didn't know if it was something that only you kept to yourself. Oh, the giant spreadsheet. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's a really nice piece of work. Okay. And in a way, a like... If you really want to... You can't even see all the tabs down here. You got data inputs, data outputs, Azure Armor calculations, baseline, alternate profiles, plus armor, plus strength, plus stamina, plus crit, plus haste. Okay, we keep going here. Versatility, mastery, leech, avoidance, weapon DPS. Okay, we, we got to the end. That's just for scaling calculations, but yeah. Right. Uh, and I don't know how to make this stuff. It's incredible to me to... People know how to make these crazy Google document spreadsheets that do all this stuff. This is bonkers. It's worth it, though. Well, it's funny how you... It, worth it for us. Huge headache for the devs. And additionally, should this game have this much stuff that we just can't look at and go, Oh, that's good. That's an upgrade. That's a very, very complicated topic. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely um, is. Like, they've been trying to kill off all the, the theory crafting for a while by making systems more and more complicated. Mm, yeah. But at the end of the day, it's a test of who's going to have more patience, basically. 
I was going to say, it's a complicated topic, but uh, both of these death knights on the show today, their armories both look um, pretty similar. I don't know, chat, who's got the better armory? This is uh, this is Faradin right here. And then we've got Mandel, who's um, just uh, just wondering. we got, wait, wait, ready? DK1, DK2, DK1, DK2. One is the PvP set, so it's better. Oh, oh no! <laughs> neither are orcs, both fail. Yeah, but neither of them is unholy, so it's fine, yeah? Because we don't have pet damage. Oh, gosh. I, oof. I, you're, all, you're both going to go Volpera on Tuesday, though, right? No. I'm going to skin them, not play them. Oh my gosh. <laughs> How many people in chat are going to go Volpera Death Knight? Or Volpera, period. Good gracious. Faraday, you didn't defend that. Are you going to go Volpera? Hey, I'm no race changes. Ever. No? Okay. <laughs> oh no. All right. Super serious question then. Have either of you watched the Netflix shows Dracula or Castlevania by chance? It's on my list, but it's on a very long list, basically. I have not currently watching The Magician. Well, I can say that Castlevania, the two seasons, quite good. Dracula, though, haven't watched. Looks kind of... Eh. I've heard okay things, though, I suppose. I just finished Lost in Space. Totally unrelated. Quite good. Waiting for season three. That was the question that my Discord posed, because it's... You know, you guys are like vampires... I guess. Are you guys going to pick the Vampire Covenants in, in Shadowlands? For uh, PvP reasons, probably. Oh. If that ability stays the same as it currently is compared to the other ones, sure. Oh, the the Venthyr Blood DK. That RP generator one, depending on how many things are... I mean, they didn't, oh, the numbers are so fake on all those abilities right now, but yeah, that one looks pretty silly with the current numbers they had attached to it. Right. To be fair, like, there's something that's worrying me about Shadowlands on that one is the fact that you can't switch your Covenant very easily. Nope! And if the abilities stay the same, like, the grip one is going to be beyond mandatory in PvP. A little like, bit. Like, the whole, you, you grip somebody and you keep them in melee range for the next 10 seconds. Like, that's something that you will want to have. It's... If it stays like this, it's going to be unhealthy on that front. It's a little scary to think of, yeah. What sort of ways to break out of it with other Covenant abilities? What if another Covenant counters it? Uh-oh. I don't know. Yeah. Then we start playing the huge game of Rock, Paper, Scissors that is Arena. Sure. How about... Sorry. Uh, rock, Paper, Scissors, Guardian Drew. <laughs> I was waiting for Lizard Spock, and then he's Guardian Druid. Okay. Okay. Sure. So this a little bit more prevalent for Mandel then, but uh Faradin, if you weren't playing Blood Death Knight, what tank would you play? I think you've already asked me this, but uh, I'd be playing Brewmaster Protection. Well, I think it's the this is one of those QA questions that everyone gets. If you couldn't play like if your class didn't exist, what would you play? So it would still be Brewmaster? 
I actually I would say it's probably going to be Brewmaster over Protection if I were to just completely ignore like Glass Bell. Oh, fair enough. You just have you you'd spec Blackout Combo though, right, for the fun? I have no idea. Oh. I haven't looked in the monks too deeply. <laughs> Manda, what would you play if you weren't playing Blood Death Knight? If monks didn't exist, I'd be playing your protection oh. pad. <laughs> Wait, you can't. If Blood DK and Brewmaster Monk didn't exist, you'd play Prop Paladin. Okay. I mean, the problem Two is layers. that for uh, unless you need the utility at the moment, Brewmaster is just unquestionably good. Which so I'm ready for Stagger to get nuked. Nuked. It just needs to make Stagger like a block mechanic. So you have three block tanks and three Healy tanks. Get the actual current stagger out of the game. Stagger is only part of the picture, though. It's their mastery compounds it even further. Stagger by itself would not be like sure it would be good, but it would not be insane the way it is today. It's the combination of their mastery which allows them to dodge two thirds of the mechanics, sorry, two thirds of the hits coming in. The fact that most abilities can be dodged, like Arcane Jolt on Ashara is dodgeable, and you're like, wait, what? Yep. And, like, you have the mastery that reduces, what, 60-70% of the damage taken? Mm -hmm. And then stagger on top. It's the combination of both that makes it just ridiculous. It does. It's a little annoying that there are some abilities that you can dodge but not parry, but I'm not sure if there's an example yep. of an ability that's the... Uh, in terms of damage, I can't really think of one, but in, in terms of something that forces you to move, the second boss of Tolagor has this. Where you can dodge the the flashing knives, but you cannot parry. Oh, you're talking about you could dodge things that are that are not parryable, but you don't know if you can parry things that aren't dodgeable. It's on a case by case basis. Sure. Yeah. Very true. I just don't. It goes back to the earlier part of the show. I don't know if Stagger is it to stay. Remember, it's been two, if not three, expansions in a row now. Well, I mean, previously there were Celestalon's posts before he moved on to Hearthstone about how Stagger works and, and Peo and crew and chat can immediately like just give one of the, 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 the temple massages to yourself trying to figure out the math that Blizzard employed to make this mechanic. And like there's some math involved in, you know, active mitigation in the heal tanks and in the active mitigation in the block tanks. But Stagger is just, it's unique, but... You cannot keep that in the game if you want the tank life to be healthy because it just trivializes so much damage compared to the other tanks for high-end rating that you're just always going to see Brewmasters. Unless Blizzard wants that. I'm, I'm ready for, at least from the outside looking in, ready for Stagger to get totally reworked or removed and then either Brewmaster go like the healing tank route or give them guard back in a way that makes them kind of like a block tank. Where they kind of like ignore or actually, you know, fundamentally dodge out of the way of abilities. Because Stagger is just... I don't know. I don't think he can stay any longer in this game. We're about to see some dumb stuff Brewmaster's doing this next raid tier with the way that power scaling is going to happen on, on tanks. So just... It won't, it won't be first. It won't be during the race to world first. But it'll be like, you know... Five, six, seven weeks into the tier, you'll we'll get some dumb crap. I'm sure. As long as they destroy the the whole loyal to the end stuff first, ha! then it's are you are you ready for that on progression? Can you imagine? I really hope they kill it before it happens. 
Like that log from honestly is just absolutely insane. People say you can't do that on, on progression, but you absolutely totally, Why not? You totally could push that on progression. You could have the damage <laughs> windows on Drestagath, where you just brick people, stacking loyal to the end, and then blow the boss up. It's going yeah. to happen. It's 100% a thing. All you need is enough shaman. Oh, she's said shaman, is that what you said? You like three, three or four shaman. Some APTs, some ugs. Yeah. I mean, if that's what it takes for everybody to get 130% of each secondary. Yeah, sure. Exactly. No big deal. Yeah, shaman viable when dying, Pog. Stop. In in 8.0, we didn't bring them at all. In 8.1, we brought them for, for the lava burst as a resto shaman, battle shaman. Now we bring them to kill. Uh, Owls, class utility. Owls, you can just go to Warcraft logs and go to speed kills, and it's any of Honestly's kills recently. It's what they do. They usually like to do speed kill stuff, and they push the the boundaries of, you know, less tanks, less healers, all DPS. You know, go go go, ook ook. But now the thing is, they have. They usually try to do between five and seven or eight planned deaths to stack loyal to the end on if not all many of the raid members with triple loyal to the end to basically kill bosses in under two minutes and even if that isn't a thing to kill a boss in progression on the new tier it still can be a thing to couple with like bloodlust windows or on the pole shenanigans because if blizzard doesn't just fix loyal to the end and just basically nuke it, then they basically need to, to add more HP to all these bosses, which then proves it, it's a circular problem, because you can't, because then other guilds that aren't doing loyal to the ancient shenanigans have a harder time to kill bosses. So, it's... Not just that. If they add and they don't add enough, you just add more shamans on your end. Yeah. Because it, loyal to the end stacks, so... They need to cut loyal to the end probably about like 75% to make people not be degenerate with it or just no, remove it just off of make gear. it not stack oh make it not oh make it so you can only get the activation of one times your three but not multiple yep that would fix it it would still be really strong though i wonder if that would stop the the shenanery we'll see i mean that's like a tuesday patch thing or next tuesday isn't so. that what azerite was supposed to be like really strong uh, I, I, sure, but boss kills that are taking four or five minutes, standardly taking a minute, 40 seconds, I'm not sure that's the point of Azerite oh, gear. No, 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 I was talking like if they made it not stack, then it oh. would be a strong contender on Azerite, but not completely. I mean, I'm not sure. Disable the death part outside of TEP? Because it was technically uh, Eternal Palace raid trait. Low to the end. The whole people sacrifice themselves for Queen Ajara. Yeah, we'll see. Exorcist did it on their progression, actually. Like when they did Queen's Court, they abused the fact that you can emote Queen Ashara from there to kill, I think it was five people pre pool with soul stones and everything to bring them back up to lose as little time as possible. Right. We will definitely see. I'm going to refresh. I'm going to refresh Discord real quick here. For the uh, outro of the show here. Wait, a lore question. Uh-oh. 
Wraith walks as you step into the Shadowlands, so you can infer that Death Grip also works between Whelms. Why? Oh, we don't know if mages can teleport to the Emerald Dream or Shadowlands, so why would Blizzard restrict movement between Shadowlands and Azeroth to push DK lore forward? That's a... Yeah, the the whole Shadowlands stuff is also... Like, it, it shows up on the, the Death Knight intro quests. I don't know if they're still in the game, the ones where you have to... Uh, like, when you start your Death Knight, you have to go and grab your mount that is in the Shadowlands and everything. So, like, there's been multiple references, but I think Blizzard is just retconning everything at this point. Like, the Shadowlands went from another alternate realm where the spirit basically is, to this whole other dimensions that Sylvan has just opened. Well, definitely, you guys are getting a lot of lore. You know, Tuesday you have the new intro quest line. Are you guys gonna at least roll another character on the new intro quest line just to see like what the change is? Because obviously your original characters were made back in the Wrath timeline, and any new allied race Death Knight gets made gets the new Bolvar intro scenario. So I might even roll a Death Knight just to see what changes, but and you get the whole next expansion, very Death Knight forward, or at least as a huge hook. I'm going to be very cheeky on that one because I'm going to roll multiple Death Knights simply because they start at 50-something, 50 58. And you can get Allied Race Heritage Armor with them. So it's half the levels you don't have. Oh. At least until that expansion they normalize it. But yeah, you can't yeah. take advantage of that right now. Interesting. Yep, they, they confirm that though. Banshee going off in chat about it too. Interesting. You, can, you still do one Death Knight per realm, though, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Technically, you can also get more than one, but that's also bugs. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> actually. Yep. Yeah. All right. That's a five head? Hey, come on now. But you can I probably at least watch someone level a new Death Knight to see what the new introduction is. May do it myself. Okay. I mean, they said that it's not, it's nowhere near as long as the Wrath scenario. The Wrath scenario is a good solid, probably 40 minutes, maybe 35, 40 minutes of like actually doing a lot of questing and roaming around and unlocking presences. Well, you used to. Getting I certain abilities. quests or something, if I remember correctly. Right. The new one might be like an in-game cutscene and some dialogue. <laughs> it doesn't, it sounds brief. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. But we'll find out. But time to wrap this down. So, Faradin, do you have any last-minute wondrous bits of wisdom? Anything you want to rant about? Anyone to give shout-outs to? This is your little soapbox time. So, go for it. Okay, well, if you're trying to do high M+, for, for season one, I had a push group the whole way through. Season three, I did group finder for the first 90% of it. You're going to save yourself a lot of hassle if you just go with it. Because eventually, you just are going to hit a cliff in progress where you can't directly find the keys that you need to progress, and you have to make them yourself. And once you hit that point, you're just pulling teeth if you're going to try to make progress through group finder. So you're just doing the, you're suggesting that tanks, as a tank anyway, if you are, you need to make your own groups, right? 
once you get to a certain level, yes, you do need to start making your own groups or just play, or if someone else makes it and you join it, sure, but you want to be playing with a set group of people for the most. Right. Also allows you to build synergy on that. Actually, that does remind me of a tangent too, where more than other tanks, you do want to try to play with the same healer in particular. Just your oh. kit has you heal back in large chunks, and you kind of need your healer needs to get used to when you're going to death strike, and you need to get used to when you can rely on your healer to cover for when you don't have the resource. So more than any other tank, it it benefits you to play with the same. Well, I guess a little follow-up question then. Do you have a particular healer that you enjoy to be healing you? I think right now, the way the healer balance is that you're probably better off playing with Holy Paladins, even though they're probably better off playing with, you know, Brewmasters or Protection Horde. You cover uh, a good amount of the utility that they're missing, and their cooldown based with their heals, and you can pull resources to some extent. So if you're communicating well, you can leverage that and it fits well with their healing. Okay. Mandel, this is your soapbox time then. Wondrous bits of wisdom, shout outs, moratoriums. Got anything? I'll cover more on the raid front, actually. Or, I mean, in general, the probably the biggest piece of advice that I have to just about everybody is even if you're not playing a class actively, look into it. Like, know what other classes do, know how they interact, how they synergize. It's useful for everything, not just Mythic Plus or PvP or raiding. It's always valuable knowledge, basically. And more, more specifically on the raiding front, there's, like, there's tons of resources out there that people don't necessarily know about, necessarily. Things like, I don't, I don't know, tank notes and things like that mm -hmm. to help people progress effectively. So it's don't underestimate the amount of resources that are out there that have been put by volunteers, basically. It's there's always a helping hand somewhere. Okay. Wait. Yeah, we brought up tank notes before. Hold on, I have something for this. Oh gosh, I'm slowly back up through our Discord where you put the terrible transmogs. Uh I have a, I have an image. Hold on, chat. I need to, to ask one simple question. I don't even know if this whole image is going to fit on the screen. i got to shrink it down. If you need to know how to play Blood Death Knight, this was made back in Legion. There's one for BFA, but it's a little bit, um, a little more uh, rude. I can't really show it. But I'm on a, okay, here we go. This is how, if you need to know how to play, find images like this. Is this is what Manuel just said you find images like this this teaches you how what other classes do right this is what you're actually i sent you the other one not that one no i, I know but the other one I, would get flagged you know, th this one doesn't have any curse words on it. the other one does <laughs> that's basically <laughs> that's that's why i'm I mean, true on this one it's very simplified but That's what you're, you're you're condoning, though. You want to find out what other people, other classes do. Find resources like this. Yeah, even if it's just the very, very basics to know roughly what something does. Like favorite example is Windwalker Monk and how Touch of Karma you, is behaving. Mm -hmm. Most people don't necessarily know that you can use it in certain ways, and 
I know a couple of people who have been shocked at the fact that they've grouped up with a Windwalker in the class. Okay, that's already a shock in itself, but after that, the, the Windwalker monk decided to pop Karma and then taunt the boss. Right. Simply because, yes, it's a DPS increase, but it's something that's not, like, it's not what you expect unless you know how it works. I posted the other one in chat, too. The Ivan one, the Blood DK Guide by Ivan. They're both posted. There you go. I think that's all pretty good stuff. <clears throat> I don't have anything else. So they were good. You guys both good? I can't see thumbs up because you're both off camera. Yeah, if this had been one week later, you would have had a camera. I'd have had what? A camera from me. Oh, that's, it's, yeah. that's fair. It's... I'm moving flats at the moment, and yeah, half of my stuff is in Poland, the other half's in the... I, I mean, I, I appreciate the time regardless, because it was hitting at a good time, and hopefully we discussed a bunch of things and illuminated some information for those that are out there. But I'm going to hit this button real quick that signifies the end of the main show. We're going to sit out a little bit after this and have some, some wind down, a little bit of after show stuff, but... Thank you for tuning in episode number 208 of Final Boss TV. Thank you very much for being here today. Again, we've got Havoc Demon Hunter coming up next. And then we've got I'll be gone for the race to world first for a good solid two weeks. Then we get back. I'll be doing my first place and second place uh, Nihilotha Nazoth shows. And then we'll be doing Discipline Priest and Brewmaster Monk. And depending on when Shadowlands beta lands, that's everything's going to change. So I'll keep you updated, of course. You can follow the show on Twitter at Final Boss TV. If you miss any of the live shows, it goes up on YouTube. 24 hours or so after the main show, or it's here as a VOD if you'd like that. Audio only goes up on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and now recently on Spotify. If you just search for Final Boss TV on Spotify. But around the table again here, Faridin in the Discord taking selfies. Do you, do you take selfies? Do you charge for your, your your selfies you take? I have the picture of you in Skullvald here. But, yes, you do. But Farron, thank you for the time on the show today. No problem. Thanks for having me up. Yeah. Are you are you cool with messages in Discord? I know some people like to say that they're really just talking to channels, but are you good if anyone has any questions, they can just bring them to you about your spreadsheet and things of that nature people might be having some uh some curiosities on the horizon here with 8.3 is that thumbs up okay i'm fine with that that's probably the only way you can actually contact me except for in game oh well okay <laughs> that sounds good to me also we had mandel that guy that wrote that post also in discord at mandel but apparently it's mandy now i don't know what i've started but it's already been a thing Thank you for your time on the show today, sir, and putting together that gigantic post, and hopefully more to come. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Like, this was great. Do you have... Are you doing live... How Are the Wowhead guides being sort of live updated, or are you going to just wait a little bit after the patch drops to get more conclusive 8.3 information? I actually went through and updated the, the blood guide at the very least. I mean, there wasn't much to update in that there's been no fundamental spec level changes. It was literally the essences under corruption. And corruption is still up in the air, 
but you can sort of get a feel as to what's going to happen. Okay. And the essence is, it's yeah, it's it's cut and dry unless they actually decide to massively buff one of them. So okay. yeah, Wowhead is up to date. The corruption page is currently not visible as far as I know, mm -hmm. but all the rest is. Well, all right then. And yeah, there's somebody in chat mentioning that I like when I'm bored, I tend to go into Mythic Plus playing Ripple. Playing <sighs> what? Ripple Major. Hmm. Look, I found the rank four. I got it, and then I was like, "Let's give it a spin." Does it look cool at least? It does look cool. <sighs> I wish it was better because it's it's one of the essences that you need to think about pulling around and doing sure. things to optimize it. So and I wish more essences had. Now, do you have the Ajara's font of power that you can power up before you ripple? No. So you have. Well, you're missing half the fun then. I'd rather have a coral for this, actually. Oh, uh, okay. I guess that Make also. Shut. <laughs> I don't like it. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in today. Again, see you next week. See you in the YouTube comments. See you in the show today, of course. Thank you for joining us today, chat. And uh, shout out to the Acreus Discord for being here today and hanging out. That's it for us. I'm going to go record a little bit more with these, with these gents and get out of here. But uh, they can't crazily wave. So trust in all of your preparation that you've done. Hopefully it's all done. If you haven't capped your conquests and all your reps and your emissaries aren't ready to go and your double islands to be triple islands map shenanery, go get to it. But until next week, everybody, the outro songs in the next part because we take it too long. <gasps> Bye. Bye 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 bye. Are you guys waving at least? Yep. Prove it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Just have to take me at my word. Yeah, same. Fair enough. <laughs>